Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Many financial institutions struggle when it comes to building engagement with consumers in a timely and impactful manner. More than ever, there is a need for ongoing dialogue that assists customers in better managing their financial relationships. One way to improve the effectiveness and efficiency of customer communications is with texting solutions, connecting with customers in real time using messaging that gets attention and helps the consumer. I'm excited to have Scott MacArthur, CRO of StatFlow on Banking Transform podcast today. Scott discusses the benefits of intelligent conversational text and how the process can improve satisfaction and financial results. You know, with intelligent text capabilities, financial institutions can now quickly reach out to consumers providing proactive recommendations and offers that both increase engagement and are positioned to improve the consumer's financial well-being. This can all be done more efficiently than any other way that we have currently available. So Scott, before we get into the how texting can supplement other communication channels, can you share a little bit about yourself and your and a little bit about Statflow? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in this uh, CX game for a long time. I was uh, almost 10 years at one of Canada's major telcos before joining Statflow. And the reason I love Statflow so much and I've, I've been a part of this Statflow journey over the last seven years is Statflow really provides that leading one-to-one business text messaging platform that enables financial institutions, telcos, and other industries in, the, in a highly compliant regulated market with two-way conversations between them and their customers. And the whole intent is really, how can you help, how can Statflow help our, our FIs really engage, retain, and grow their customer base through that two-way interaction? Again, most people say, hey, are you the one-stop shop for CRM? We are not. We integrate with all of the backend systems. We are really meant to be that frontline tool to enable the frontline to have those proactive one-to-one conversations with the right customer context, the right rich shareable content they can push out. You know, a great example of the last couple of years would be being able to send something as simple as an appointment booking sendable to allow a customer to book a time that they see fit to either have a conversation on the phone or come into the branch. And also really make sure that they have that single tool for that engage, retain, grow concept when proactively reaching out to customers. You know, it's interesting. Since the pandemic, consumer expectations have increased dramatically around how they want to communicate with companies they partner with. What's interesting is also changed the way we communicate with other people with regard to texting versus verbal versus facial. And, you know, overall, from what you see, what are consumers looking for from their FIs? How do they prefer to interact with the brand? So let's start with some macro stats that, that we like to share ahead of time, whether we're talking about financial institutions or telco or, or in general retail. You know, close to two-thirds of customers are looking for that two-way dialogue with their businesses of choice, whether that's their favorite brand, their you know, financial institution. There's a lot of a lot of personalization with that when it comes to people's money. So they want that two-way dialogue. You know, people want more of it. Close to 80% of those customers say they want two-way. They want more of it, more frequent touch points in that two-way manner. And what's cool for all the marketers out there, when you think of mass emails, I was at a, a credit union league event last week and I was asking them, you know, what is their communication of choice with their customers? They're talking about email as an example, mass email. 
asked them a question of, hey, what's the average re-rate on, on an email? And they said, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20%, which is actually on the extreme high end of, of read rate. When a text message gets sent, 95% plus of those messages are read within three minutes. So as a marketer, if you have the right content and the right message going out, you're going to have almost 100% of those messages read within any given point in time. So when you think of the con- consumer side, customers want two-way dialogue via text. So when you think of, of the value of, of this type of communication for the financial institution, it really is allowing those community banks and credit unions to create that local personal interaction with the customer through the channel of their choice. Um, and allows allows the FIs to have a more efficient means of communication with their customers. So there's always a cost savings there. You know, there's a lot of stats, and I'm happy to get into them in a, in a few minutes around the value of customer response rates. So a much higher engaged customer when you're doing this via one-to-one text. The conversion rates are dramatically higher than other forms of communication. And quite frankly, one of our studies that we did with one of the major telcos here in Canada. Our opt-in rates were one-fifth of what they were for other channels of communication. So customers like it. They want more of it. They're they're engaging in a much higher rate. And they're opting out, which means they want to continue having this, this form of communication. So say that's the benefit of both the consumer and the, and the FI. You know, it's interesting. More than ever, consumers want help in managing their finances. They want their financial institution to partner with them around the best way to meet their financial needs and to improve their financial well-being. As you mentioned, we've moved from a one-way communication style to a two-way communication style that really pushes towards engagement rather than just straight-on communication. What's also interesting in our research, we have found that consumers really prefer text messaging as long as, and a big caveat, as long as there's value provided in the communication, because there's an urgency matter. You know, I look at myself and I may miss emails over and over and over again because there's so many of them. However, I almost always respond to text messages right away. And I don't mind them coming from partner organizations I work with as long as they're important. I just don't want them to be pushing out the same stuff they did in the old media. So when we look at that, what does this mean overall for financial institution marketing being able to leverage this channel? Yeah, I think first and I think first and foremost, it needs to be conversational. I think you nailed it on the head where you don't want an email transcribed into a text. And this is where a lot of our conversations happen with the marketing folks at at our major customers of it needs to be conversational. You do not need to push a whole bunch of promos and offers into that message. Again, when you're thinking engaging, retaining, growing your customers, it's all about conversation. You spoke up front that we want to have this dialogue today as like we're having drinks, just having an open conversation about one-to-one. That's what customers are looking for with their financial institutions of you want to have a conversation. You don't want to be just sold a whole bunch of stuff and said, hey, come in today and get X. It's really about, hey, Jim, checking in to see how your new loan is, is going. Any questions? So that's that whole concept of engagement. How can you make sure that I, as the FI, am reaching out to Jim, the customer, and making sure that that you're happy with your service and or if you have any questions or concerns. So that's the engagement piece. You know, retention is pretty easy. It's just that, those regular check-ins. Again, not to sell them anything. It's just make sure that you're having that regular cadence of communication. 
you know, using something like one-to-one text as one of those channels. And then once you've you've won that that opportunity to start talking to your customers about or members about other products and services, that's where you start to let them know and say, hey Jim, just check in. Want to let you know about a really cool X. Cool new checking account, great new offer on on interest rates as they're going up. Want to talk to you about fixed versus variable rates as an example. So it's real again, conversational, not to pitch a product, it's just to have a conversation about your business and make sure you're keeping those lines of communication open. Well, it's interesting because I'm a I'm a bank marketer from way back. That's where I started at the beginning of my career. And we have now seen a significant shift away from product sales to more of a consumer-focused dialogue. Really, the showing of a higher desire for empathy and showing that the financial institution is actually looking out for my well-being as opposed to continually just hitting me with the product of the month. So what trends do you see in the financial institution industry? But more importantly, where do you think financial institutions should be focusing their time and money right now for, let's say, early wins? Specifically to one-to-one text or just general customer engagement? Basically the one-to-one text, because I think that's really where the where a lot of the impact can be made, especially when you're looking at engagement. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. So some of the you know potential objections that we hear from customers, one is, hey, I'm not sure if my frontline is going to do it. You know, we're already asking them to do outbound calls. Fantastic. One-to-one text or texting is something that they do on their on a day-to-day basis. A lot of these folks on the front line, whether it's advisors or even branch associates, aren't necessarily hired to do outbound calling. So give them a channel that they're going to actually know how to use and remove the fear or the friction of doing that quote-unquote cold call. Then I think once that's done, it's now looking at how can you really engage those customers where an FI can really start out as something as similar if those three buckets of engage, retain, grow. Focus on the engagement side. Think about onboarding your customers. What does that first 30 to 60 days look like? And, and are you contacting the right way um, and the right frequency? I was sitting through a session at a Cable Co. event last week with the top Cable Co.s in, in the U.S. And J.D. Power talked about the need for regular engagement. And within that onboarding piece, I, hopefully I don't ruin this stat from J.D. Power, but I think around every you need to be con- contacting customer every two to three weeks within that first few months of their new product or service. Again, because you're going to have different inflection points throughout that first couple of months, you want to be there. You want to be engaging with that customer. Make sure they feel like you're a trusted advisor for them on their new product or service. So to me, I think that's a great spot to start. And there's a lot of stats out there that speak to if you've had a great onboarding experience with your business of choice, chances are you're going to stay a heck of a lot longer and you're going to buy more products and services. So I'd say engagement is is probably the easiest spot to start before you get into cross-sell, upsell stuff. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned it, and I know that some of the research you've done shows that especially early in the customer journey, you know, in the buying process, but also after the purchase, early in the onboarding process, you almost can't over-communicate because the consumer really wants their hand to be held, theoretically, in, in ways to say, how do I make best use of this product? And financial institutions just traditionally shy away from what they consider to be over-communication, yet J.D. Power, using the same research you're, you've looked at, has found that seven to nine touches in the first six months is not overwhelming to the consumer. In fact, 
That's where the, the cross of highest satisfaction and highest impact actually hits, which works to the benefit of the financial institution. You know, it's interesting. There's been a lot of talk around personalization for decades. But this level of personalization must go beyond simply just putting the name on a text or an email or some other communication. And from your perspective, what, how do you define personalization today given the different technologies we have available? That's a, that's a, that's a very loaded question um, in terms of the definition of personalization. You know, a lot of the bigger companies, bigger financial institutions would have a big data team, data science folks that slice and dice the data across many facets uh, and say, this is, I'm making this up on the fly. Jim lives in Cleveland. He lives on this street and his demographic is X. Now we should talk to them about this product. So that's, that's you know, the level of detail some of the bigger FIs have gotten to. Um, but it's interesting is talking to a company that does this within the telco space. You know, there's a lot of great data to say, here's who you should be targeting. If you do it with the wrong channel of communication, I, Jim, I'm going to just pick on you and make an assumption based on you being a marketer. If you just got blasted with the same message over and over through the same channel or medium of communication, you'd probably look at it and be like, this isn't for me. Why? This is not personalization. This is just them blasting a whole bunch of stuff at me. So the data is critical in terms of understanding your demographics and understanding that that concept of personalization, what products or services we should be talking to you about. But if you fail on the medium of communication, that's probably even more impactful than the actual offer that's going out to you. So, and I'm not saying one-to-one tech should be the be-all end-all of communication. It's quite the opposite where, you know, we work with our customers on, hey, what are the right cadence of communications through one-to-one? How can that complement or augment your mass email or your direct mail. I know a lot of financial institutions still use direct mail for whatever reason, or outbound calling. So where where are the different lines of, of communication? And then where does one-to-one text fit in? I'd say that's a big piece of personalization is connecting with a customer in the channel of communication they desire or making some assumptions until you learn that around what's going to drive the highest response rate. And that's that's why I've been so passionate about one-to-one text messaging over the last four or five years. So interesting. You know, when you work with clients, financial institutions, how do you take their yep. database and make personalized communications at scale? Because that's really what we're talking about here. How do you do that, given the fact that organizations have all different formats of core prop? core system providers, marketing objectives, things like this. How do you engage with a, a financial institution? Yeah, so there's there's two ends of the spectrum in terms of how we engage with, with a financial institution. You know, baseline, a lot of these FIs already have some form of contact strategy with their customers, whether they're using another CRM, uh, a marketing platform like HubSpot. There's a few credit unions in Illinois that were talking about HubSpot. So they already have a contact strategy. We are not looking to replace that contact strategy. What we do is work with them and say, okay, where does this data come from? Do you have all the pertinent details, i.e. a centralized opt-out mechanism somewhere to ensure that you're not contacting customers that have said, do not contact me again. So if they already have those campaigns being created from their core systems, we can quite easily just up, they can upload those files as very simple raw data files 
we would transform them and surface them to to the front line to make sure they know who to contact, why are they contacting them. And the one piece that I've failed to mention is our whole compliance structure. And there's a few components of compliance, one being the regulatory and data security, which we check the box on. Two, the third piece is brand compliance. So how we work is it's not just saying, here's who you need to contact, contact Jim about this type of thing. It's contact Jim. Here's the what we call a chat starter. So we work with the, the brand folks at any given FI and say, here's what Stafflow recommends for the chat starter based on this campaign. But at the end of the day, allowing the FI to tweak it based on, you know, the the language used based on their branding and or the state that they might be in. And I pick on one of our partners, Casasa, that in Texas they say y'all a lot. So again, that could be part of the chat starter if that's part of standard conversational text, whereas New York might be a New York state might be a bit more proper in terms of the, the language being used. So that's that's a big piece of what we do. So it's as simple as the rep logging in, seeing Jim. I can edit that chat starter if I want and hitting send. And that's where the conversation starts. And the rep cannot blast you as the customer with multiple messages. Once that first chat starter is sent, I as a frontline person cannot send you a message until either a certain amount of days have been um, have expired and or Jim, you respond. And then that's, that's where the two-way dialogue starts to happen. So you work with all different size organizations. You also work with data that's in all kinds of formats based on both the core systems that they use, but even more importantly, how many silos they have, how clean the information is. Can you work with financial institutions to help them with their data to still make an impact on personalization as they're working to set up better core systems in the back office? For sure. And I think, you know, the larger institutions that already have a robust customer, a CRM, because we have a fairly strong API set, those APIs would just hit the CRM and, you know, it's a pure push and pull of data, me being the non-technical person, but the APIs would allow for those, that two-way communication of data. For the folks that are have really messy, ugly data, still trying to figure out their backend, we've actually partnered with a with a cool company that's been around a while in community banking and, and credit unions, uh, known as Casasa, and they have a really awesome marketing tech stack that integrates with probably close to 100% of the core systems out there. They would normalize the data, so take all that really messy, ugly data. They would normalize it work with the FI to make sure that they understand all the different inputs of the data, surface it into their tech stack, and then they're able to create a contact strategy across direct mail, across stat flow, across um, different lines of communication. I can't remember what other lines of communication they have, but again, they're able to create the campaigns based on the conversation with the FI, surface that to somebody like Statflow. again, enable the FI or the frontline to do the outreach, and then what's really cool is they have attribution on all those campaigns as well. So the reason we we're so excited about the partnership with Casasa is they take all that messy data and make it work, create the right contact strategy based on the desired the desire of the FI, and are able to show the attribution of those touch points and campaigns based on did somebody do the desired task? Something as simple as did they set up their auto payments or billing online or you know, whatever it might be. So it could be as simple as that, or it could be as as robust of, did this customer sign up for that loan within X days? Um, 
really cool example that came up last week, and it, we've been hearing this a lot, is leveraging text message for collections. So killer example, we've been talking to some very large subprime lenders up here in Canada, as well as a lot of the FIs of how can you leverage that one-to-one dialogue to have a sometimes not so awesome conversation with customers, but to drive that adoption of, hey, you need to pay your bill. This is what it is. It, it creates that non-confrontational dialogue with the customer through text. Well, actually, it, it shows that you're looking out for the customer because what happens is if you reach me in the fastest way possible, which is certainly the text format, that's better than email because emails can get lost, as we well know. You know, it's interesting also what 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 has been done in the past or recently is that you can have triggers that can be used on, on uh, text messaging. But as a result of all the different dynamics you've talked about, is marketing moving more from a cost center now to a revenue center possibility where the generation of revenue from those efforts is more than just a cost to the organization, but actually a, a generator of revenue? My view is everything should be looked at. Marketing is an extension of, of sales and revenue generation, whether or not marketers want to, want to see that or not. It depends on the organization. But I think everything should be seen in the light of, is this either helping us make more money or is it helping retain and engage our customer base so that we don't have to add more customers on to, to make up for the loss of, of an inefficient customer experience? So I think that's that's how marketing, ha- a lot of our customers, that's how they've been looking at at the marketing budget of, yes, it's a, it's a cost to sign up for something like Statflow, but what are the material ROI benefits of, of doing this one-on-one text? And it's, we look at a few things. One is, efficiency savings so we did this one of our large telcos a few years ago they looked at it from a a efficiency savings side of things of you know how much money can i save by allowing a rep to send making some of this up on the fly 10 text messages for the same time it takes that same rep to do one phone call to a customer so what what is the cost savings that's material that's easy to show what are the you know uh NPS scores or client satisfaction scores. Um, how is is this type of communication driving that? And it could be reduction in calls after they've signed up for a loan, i.e. there's not as many escalations after the fact, or they've done all the different checkpoints that, they, that they're supposed to, i.e. online billing. If we can drive a higher adoption of online payments or online banking, what are the cost benefits to the financial institution? And the third piece really is, What's the revenue generation that this is allowing us to, i.e., you know, retaining your customers and engaging them, but then what's the conversion rate on those additional products and services that you're actually wanting to sell them uh, after the fact? Oh, you can probably you can potentially cut this out of the out of <laughs> this session afterwards, but I always use myself as an example, and everybody nods their head of, you know, my checking and savings is is with one bank up here, my mortgage is with another bank. Uh, my investments is with another bank and my credit card is with another bank. So if you think of me as probably a standard example across North America, how can that bank drive a better localized personal touch point with me so that I push more of my products and services into their bank? And quite frankly, the bank I use has not provided that to me. So I haven't pushed all my products and services into one financial institution. So what benefits does this real-time contextual precise messaging through text have over other methods of outreach? And do they work in conjunction with 
and supplemental to the other forms. It, yeah, absolutely. I think we mentioned that, or I mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago. I It's not meant to be one-to-one text is the only channel of communication you should have with a customer. It's meant to complement what you already have in place. So um, a great example, if, if you're looking to push a lot of information to a customer and it's more informative, that may be an email where it's, hey, Jim, thanks for signing up. Here's all the T's and C's for everything you want to know about your new loan, that could maybe be a good email. Whereas a text on that same kind of engaging piece really is around, hey, Jim, just checking in to see if you have any questions about the email I sent. So you've sent the email, you then follow up with a text. And that third step may be calling, hey, Jim, did you get the email and text I sent you about your new loan? And it removes the fear and the barriers of that frontline person making that call to you because they've already sent an email, they've done that personalized compliant text, now they're following up with with a phone call. So it's all a matter of the case of communication. Um, We did a study only looking at email, or sorry, text and calling. We did a study over about 7 million conversations last summer, did an A-B test with one of our big operators to really look at the value of conversion rates of more mass channels like email, call center, mass text, you know, sub 2% conversion rates. And then when you look at the cadence where it starts with a one-to-one text, you know, it was almost double conversion of that 2% out of the gates. And then what's really cool is, and we didn't think about this. We had a, we coach our customers on specific cadences of, of one-to-one outreach. What we realized is a phone call that is followed up on after a one-to-one text almost doubles the conversion rate of whatever the intent of that campaign is. So it's not a text, text, text all month. You potentially start with that mass email, follow up with a one-to-one text, and that phone call is killer to almost double the the conversion rate of whatever the campaign intent is. So again, do not only focus on one-channel communication. We can work with you on what are the right uh, cadences of communication to your customers. So you've mentioned several times in this conversation that you work with other industries. You referenced telco quite a bit. Is this a benefit to financial institutions that you work with different industries that may be more advanced in the using of text messaging and that you can apply the learnings and apply the, apply the victories, so to speak, to institutions that you work with in the financial services industry? hundred uh, percent. I think that's what, that's, that's why we've gotten into financial services and specifically retail banking over the last couple of years is there were so many similarities between telco and, and retail banking. And you think of highly regulated compliant markets. So we know that space, there's a brick and mortar aspect to, to retail banking and telco. And a lot of the sales and our customer engagement has always been through that brick and mortar. That brick and mortar is going to evolve, but it's not disappearing anytime soon. So how can we help our customers better leverage those fixed assets and fixed costs within store. And then there's a heavy life cycle component to a customer engagement, whether it's in telco, retail banking, and some of the other verticals. It's all, all about that concept, engage, retain, grow your customer base. And the last piece is all around the localization. You know, we used to use this con- this story of when you buy a car, you end up having your person, your guy, your lady, that's your go-to and you refer all your friends to that person to buy their next car, assuming they like that same brand. That's where telco and banking comes into play. If you have a kick-ass relationship with 
the Verizon store at the corner of Fifth and Main, you're probably going to tell your friends and family to go to that store and get up, get your new iPhone. Same thing in banking. You know, that's that's why I'm working, why I work with who I do on my mortgage side is somebody had a great relationship. It was in cross pollination between telco, retail banking, financial financial services. So, what challenges and risks do financial institutions need to take into consideration? before investing in a message in software? Need to be aware of the, the risks. Um, again, we always have one very big slide on compliance and helping our customers. We like to educate our customers on the compliance risks and what they need to know around compliance. So, you know, the conversation I had last week, actually last week in multiple events was, there's a lot of dime a dozen text messaging platforms out there that may or may not be compliant. Do your homework. Understand if they're meeting all the three and four letter acronyms there across North America, whether it's TCPA, whether it's, you know, are they A2P accredited? And that's something, application to peer, that's something you're going to start to see if companies are not registered as A2P, their messages will start getting blocked if they haven't already by the Verizons, AT&T, TMOs of the world. The goal of the big carriers are to block as much spam as possible. So if you're not adhering to A2P, chances are that company that you're using, or if, sorry, if that company is not adhering to A2P, chances are those messages that you think are hitting your customers are actually not getting there because they're being blocked by, by the carriers because of being perceived as spam. So compliance is a big piece of it. Um, what's around it, security, uh, all the regulatory compliance pieces around contacting and right to contact customers. And then quite frankly, we're here on the, on the far side of compliance, make sure we're always safe on compliance side. And the other piece is just around brand compliance. Are you pushing the right messages to the right customer and make sure that's on brand and on point with however your financial institution to be perceived. So I'd say, compliance is critical. We're happy. We spent a lot of time educating our customers on this as part of the sales process and part of the onboarding process, because quite frankly, if, if they're impacted, we're impacted as well. So we want to make sure that our customers are set up well from a compliance side. So let's say I'm a financial institution. And let's say I say, I want to go forward with you. How long does it take between the day that I say, let's go, and the day that we're actually in market doing something? Honestly, it's a, it's a loaded question. I think it depends on really the ease of data where's the data coming from how are we getting it the contact strategy so we want to make sure that's all done right i could say yeah we can spin you up in three days but you may have a really crummy experience we want to make sure that as we're the sales process is happening we're able to identify where's your data coming from getting samples of that data so the sales process might take a bit longer than normal but usually once we get a yes we're very clear on what has to happen and it's within, we usually aim to be within four to six weeks, sometimes a bit longer, other times a bit shorter, but the goal is within a month, month and a half, we're onboarding you as a financial institution. Boy, that that's amazing. And, and it's important because when we look at it, we really, I worry about the speed to market because we get in our own way sometimes. When you work with a financial institution, obviously you're giving best case scenarios on how you can do it. What gets in the way of success? What are things that when you work with financial institutions, it looks like a clear path, but things get in the way and delay the process? What usually, if there's a sense of one or two things that will usually stall the process once the organization says they want to go forward? It's a couple of things. And so, you know, 
again, going back to the compliance piece, we usually mandate that you need to have single sign-on or they need to have single sign-on with us through whatever other systems they have just to limit the risk of folks leaving the financial institution and taking access to staff flow with them for whatever reason. So single sign-on for the smaller institutions sometimes is a sometimes could be a roadblock. Contact strategy is the other one. So that's why we try to do that as part of the sales process is really clearly understanding what are you trying to use this for? How can we advise you on how best to use it ahead of time before you sign a contract and then it takes six months to onboard because what they thought they signed is completely different than what Staffel thought they signed. So again, that those are usually a couple roadblocks uh, or potential roadblocks. The one piece we've instituted across all of our customers last five or six years is we have a stat flow champion that's really focused on, you know, we have the decision maker that signs the check, signs the contract, but we really ensure that we have a stat flow champion that is accountable to stat flow, is accountable to this type of one-to-one outreach uh, and make sure that we're having regular business reviews with them to ensure that, you know, we're coaching them and their frontline on how best to use the tool during that onboarding piece how to tweak what we call our chat starters and how to drive, you know, better quality conversations with our customers. So I'd say that's, that's a non-starter for us nowadays is you need to have as an FI, you need to have a staff flow champion. It's not a full-time gig to be clear, but they need to have some time added to staff flow to ensure its success, at least in the first few months until it becomes just course of everyday business for the frontline. Can organizations of any size work with you? you? You've referenced a little bit in the past about the fact that you work with Casasa and you work with smaller banks and credit unions, but is there any size of organization that really is something that is hard for you to work with or is it any size organization? Quite frankly, any size organization. Um, we're in some RFPs with some of the biggest brands in North America right now, and we're working with one and two branch FIs that have a few thousand customers. I think where we've evolved is leveraging something like Casasa for those smaller FIs that may not have their marketing tech stack or the data in a good spot. You know, leveraging Casasa as that on-on to our conversation with them, saying, "Hey, if you want to use Statflow, you need to have this Casasa integration strictly for their their core integrations, not to use their rewards program, but strictly for the marketing tech stack." to ensure that the data is clean and that allows us to work with any size FI out there. So finally, where do you see the communication engagement process going in the next three to five years? Will this be a major point of differentiation in financial services? Quite frankly, I think financial institutions and financial services are are behind in one-to-one and leveraging text. Um, again, if, if I think of telco tends to lead as funny as it sounds, telco tends to lead customer engagement, different tools to drive that CX. Banking has and financial service has the opportunity to fast follow them and not be such laggards in terms of that one-to-one dialogue with customers. It shocks me that there's so many financial institutions still leveraging simple Excel spreadsheets and outbound calling by the frontline. Baffles me that that's still part of the strategy as the one and only one-to-one outreach. So I think financial services and institutions have to quickly adapt so that they're not missed. And these neobanks come in and drive that personalized automation of, of one-to-one. So I'd say one-to-one engagement is critical. Financial institutions have to catch up. The medium at which that happens, it may be something else other than text in three to five years as business messaging evolves and as 
North American user behavior may change closer to a Europe where it's heavily on heavily WhatsApp text messages is an afterthought. So it really depends on where the market's going. One to one messaging will still be there. It's just a matter of the medium of, of how it happens. Yeah, it's just gonna be deeper. You know, Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. If somebody's interested in finding out more about the mechanism and the, the automation of text messages and how the impact can really be significant for financial institutions, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, there's two ways. Uh, I probably should have been more prepared on that piece, but I'd say it's as simple as shooting me an email, scott at statflow.com, S-C-O-T-T at statflow.com. Um, for those that don't want to reach out to me directly, uh, they can go onto our website and fill out a lead form and request a callback from our sales team. And quite honestly, a lot of the, if anybody's reaching out to me directly, I will definitely engage our sales folks. Um, they know the product inside and out can help the financial institutions potentially a lot better than I can. So I'll make sure they're part of any discussion moving forward. Well, also, and I, I want to make sure that people understand that they can go to your website and see a lot of case studies, see a lot of white papers, see a lot of blog posts that have been written about what we're talking about here. It's a great way to educate yourself on what's the possible. And it's really important for organizations to realize it's maybe not a channel that you're used to, but it's certainly a channel that consumers want and they're on more than anything else right now. Correct. So thanks again, Scott. Thanks. And the last thing I'd leave you with is, you know, happy to just educate you. Our sales team is to educate you on the values of one-to-one -one text. Whether or not you choose staff flow is another story, but really we spend a lot of time educating our, our customers and our prospects on how this can be used and, and why we think we're the best mouse trap for it. That's great. Thanks a lot for being with us today. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, just rated as a top banking podcast and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to give our show a five-star rating on your preferred podcast app. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the reports we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, remember, good communication goes beyond creativity. It must give your customers the ability to become a better version of themselves. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.